Hi, and welcome to the Resilience Podcast. I'm Brad Hook, and today I'm pleased to be joined by Delphine Caprez, who's part of our European team with a rich history in resilience and a recent author who's published a book, which hopefully we'll get some time to talk about today. Delphine, welcome to the Resilience Podcast. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for having me. Of course, I'm so excited to share your story with our audience and to get some tips, particularly around digital resilience. How can we be more resilient when we use technology? But first, perhaps you could give us a little bit of context. How did you generate an interest in resilience and uh, how did you connect with us? Yeah, thank you for this question, Brad. Um, it's always interesting to reflect on the why we why we do what we do or why we did what we what we did. And um, I so my my story with the Resilience Institute is quite a it goes quite a way back uh, in two thousand eight actually when I was at the time living in Sydney. You might not hear it, but I'm also Australian. I've got the Australian passport as well as the Swiss, uh, hence the French accent. And uh, so I was living in Sydney at the time, and um, I had a chance to take part in uh, two-day workshops delivered by one of the co-founders of, of the Institute, uh, Stuart Taylor. And I was just blown away by the program at the time. It was the first time for me to really get into that field. It was um, to see it in action, I would say, and I, I got really into it. And um, so in a way, it's when my career changed and I decided to study the field. So thank you, thanks to uh, Stuart. But before that, the whole health and well-being is a bit. Um, I kind of had a, a, a wake-up call uh, when I was living in London, just before moving to Sydney. I was, you know, I spent a few years in London working for investment bank, and I was so excited. I was young, you know, younger than now, and uh, coming from Switzerland, I just arrived in the big city. London, the speed of London, the, you know, the pace of it. I remember loving it, every minute of it. And um, also in that investment bank I was working for was, um, you know, everything was in-house. Everything, you could do everything from the office. You had the, the hairdresser, I needed it. The, the, the florist, the dentist, the doctor, the swimming pool, the cafeteria. You would sleep in the office as well. And at the time I was like, this is brilliant exactly what we need everything in one place until i know i know i can see you shaking sleeping your in the office <laughs> <laughs> it was more like not sleeping in the office but when i had no idea about this none of that existed for me yes. in Switzerland. And, um, so i thought it was the answer absolutely and actually yeah and then and then an event happened someone uh, an employee from a from a competitor bank investment bank just uh jumped in the atrium like uh, committed suicide at work just uh, mm. next door to my office and I, oh my god i remember that story um very vividly thinking oh you know what maybe that's not the answer to just not have time to stop mm. look after yourself breathe and just go at least go home and uh, so it's when i started to look into that field of looking after so how can you care about employees and also perform how is it possible this question to still perform when you have a life and how can you do this and that's really when i got into the field so very long answer <laughs> your short question 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that must have been, you know, a real moment in your life to realize people are pushing themselves to, to that point yeah. as a result. I remember spending some time working in that part of London, maybe around the same, same time as you. And it was yeah. a, it was a very interesting culture. It was all performance, no care. And uh, yeah. I wonder if it's still like that, potentially based on some some things that I know. Why did you, you did you enjoy it? Yeah. If uh, I may ask you the question, did you enjoy that? I enjoyed aspects of it. I enjoyed that it was exciting, having come from a relatively insignificant city in the on the on the far end of South Africa, it was really glamorous. And you feel like I'm wearing a suit and I'm going in. And I feel yeah. kind of important and I'm doing this complex work and yeah, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, it wasn't fulfilling. That's for sure. Um, mm. But there was a time and a place for it. It's exactly this. And I think it's, as you said, it's probably still the case and it's okay. If mm. you choose to, it's always about this choice you have as much choice as you can have. But if it's your decision to say, I'm going to work really hard for five years, put lots of money, you know, in the bank uh, and then do something else. But often you get caught into it. So that's yeah. always difficult. It's if you end up in a in a trap where you rely on that income and then you can't extricate yourself uh, and do something else. Because I know so many people who get to you know, 35 and they really start to ask the big questions like, is what is the meaning yeah. of my life? Is this it? Where's my purpose? What are my values? Is this aligned with my values? Am I going to do this forever? And you you see these things like burnout occurring. Not that at the Resilience Institute we uh, think burnout is a phenomenon. We prefer to talk about a downward spiral, but you do see people on a real downward spiral, a prolonged downward yeah. spiral. So where did you develop? And was it from those experiences that you developed your interest in, in resilience and you know performance and care? Perhaps you could share a little bit about your journey. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, those moments really were obviously the starting points. Um, but uh, then uh, I actually studied in Australia. You had the option to study. It's called well wellness at work. So it was like a master, and to really get into the field of corporate health, and uh, learning the strategy as well behind how can you, as a corporate organization, um, integrate. A more caring culture that will be part of your business objectives, not just having it as a standalone. As often we see this, it's a, it's in that you know next like a like a one part or one route, and then you do a few things that you have to because legally you have to. But then no, how can you integrate the caring, the looking after people um, into your strategy, your business strategy? And so that's really what I started doing and then I had the chance to work for organization as a health manager or resilience manager to really look into analyzing the needs the risks and then implement uh, a strategy around it that would be completely aligned with what the business was doing and as I said uh, offering uh, I don't want to say tools but a different path for people to look after themselves and perform at the best and it's always that fine line between how much can you push your team uh, versus not mm -hmm. to get the best out of your people and we all know that you know, the best the best managers are those who know how to play with this 
and yeah. push it a bit because you need to be pushed. You know, the performance and pressure curve, you need to have that uh, um, stimulation, I would say, to perform at your best, to get in the flow, in the peak of performance. And, uh, and But then you need to have the recovery time to just uh, mm. to be able to go in the long run. We are all on an ultra trail or ultra marathon. Um, I love sports. <laughs> not sports, physical activity. It's all about the distance. How can you yes. go the distance? And um, yeah. So that's, as I said, I, I had the chance to work as a health manager for different big organizations. And, uh, and then I decided to, to not be on the, you know, the client side, but just uh, come out of it as a consultant when I joined the Resilient Institute and really be able to help more. No, help is not the right word. To, 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 Accompany, can we say that? Yeah, exactly. Accompany teams and or be a partner in a, in a moment to help them go from point A to point B. Yes. So, yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think that's, that's where we add the most value is partnering with organizations and taking them on that journey, measuring. Like, here's where you are. Part of it is a story of hope because we can show. Here's where other organizations end up. And as you said, such an important part of getting there, you never get there. Resilience is not a destination, it's a journey. But part of that process is leaders learning how to create rhythms. And exactly as you said, when people are too relaxed, it's time to, you know, stimulate. And when people are falling into distress, that's time to encourage riding the wave back down and in, in implementing some practices that support care and recovery. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's so important in the workplace. Absolutely, and I, I love the, the the reference to surf because obviously you are a surfer. I, I tried, I'm just really bad at it, but the, the, the analogy is great because what I love about surfing is the time you see surfers like you and, and all the others spending out, um, how to say outside, behind their, their waves, waiting right yes to get the right way and then to be able to you know stay on your board for longer and it's all about that finding the time to you know going hard on the waves waiting to recover and it's this rhythm as you call it i think it's a brilliant yeah. analogy or image yeah. i actually once wrote a whole book called surfing <laughs> surfing life waves and it's about exactly that and it's you know in order to experience those fleeting moments of joy flow you need to go through the paddle you need to then get out to the back where all the other surfers are a little bit of emotional intelligence looking around and then you have to be patient and eventually the wave comes and and that's when you start to experience a little bit of fear here comes your opportunity are you going to go for it and when you're looking over the precipice you know will you stand up and go or are you going to pull back which is never a good idea yeah. Uh, I, I think, yeah, the surfing metaphor is really interesting for how we approach life. Just looking at things as opportunities. You you write some, you, you miss some. But talking about books, uh, you authored a book recently. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about the process, the topic, the purpose of Ooh. the book. Yeah. Um, it, interestingly enough, this book we wrote, I, co- I did co-write it. Um, so I co-authored it. And, and it's all about, so it was a process and uh, obviously it's co- and it's written in French. That's why I'm a yes. bit uh, stumbling here because I don't have the title in English, but yes. if I translate, so I will say it in French, it's called uh, Performance 
bienveillance, à oser le charisme. So it's a play on words with the word of English. Charisme is a we, we created a new word in French. So it's all it's all about performance and care and dare to care. Literally, that's what it is. And um, I, I did write it with uh, my ex-colleague from Nestlé, who is in charge, still at Nestlé, in charge of um, safety in organization. And I was in charge of health. So we were working together. And actually, he's also my partner in life right now. <laughs> and um, he, we, we had so many things to, to talk about. We, 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 we didn't pretend, or we still don't pretend to know the answers. Uh, however, we wanted to share so many things about what we learned throughout our you know, 40 year plus career, two of us together, um, and uh, what not to do. Very important if you want to you know, perform as the best with the care aspect, what not to do, what to do, how to do it better. And uh, so it's, it's a bit about history as well of health and safety, why it came across, mm -hmm. why is it often put together. It's about resilience. It's about um, communication. It's a big topic around communication because it's a huge part of this. As a leader, as a team member, how do you communicate better to, to get the best out of the team? How do you look after yourself? And uh, it's, uh, so it was released last year mm -hmm. in French and we are now doing the translation, the English version. Exciting. So it's very exciting. It was an interesting um, ex experience to, to write took a lot of time 18 months it's like a long <laughs> pregnancy i think it's a whale pregnancy yes. <laughs> very long process and uh, but in a way i think a lot of you wrote books as well right it's you know how it is it's it's difficult at times but the, the experience the learning experience throughout the process the journey is just incredible the goal is not the book the, the, the journey is the goal right and i think exactly once you've written a book, you're ready to write three like you or four or five because it's so addictive. <laughs> it is addictive. It's so painful and horrible. <laughs> but, at the, times. <laughs> yes. but at the same time, you know, when something feels done, whether it's a, a chapter or a paragraph, you get this real sense of relief and it's like, wow, that's that's good hopefully you know well, i never think that my writing's good but it's done and then yeah. you can continue and that feeling when you when you finally finish it's like there we go that's a little gift for the world hopefully yeah it's an amazing it's an amazing process i think it's a gift for ourselves first and mainly i think for us it's you know, we keep thinking we keep looking back to it's a reference book we always mm -hmm. go back to it and think you know what if even if no one buys it at least we have it for ourselves exactly selfish maybe but it's what it is yeah a quick question on that topic so the book is about health and safety with resilience in it health and safety used to be all about cables and stairs and that kind yeah. of stuff and and that's still to this day considered essential in all companies they have a health and safety manager when do you think resilience will be considered as important as these basic health and safety practices, you know, making sure people have a good night's sleep without being too prescriptive. Like there's a line there that employers, you know, you can make suggestions, but you can't enforce, yeah. uh, but you could enforce some rules around, you know, digital hygiene. Like, please, we, your, your technology actually doesn't work. Your email doesn't work after a certain time or other practices. I guess the question is, do you think that resilience will end up just being part of health and safety? I love the question. 
I think it's also why I left the corporate world in a way because health and safety is very static. Uh, uh, it's regulated by rules and regulation and laws and um, and very isolated. It's my mission at the time was to really integrate the whole. It's a holistic approach. It's not, mm. as you said, cable. It's not ergonomics. It's everything is interconnected. And um, of course, as you mentioned, sleep. And um, yeah, if you have an accident, talking about safety. If you have an you you cut your finger on a you know when you're working in a factory then beam this is an accident you're not analyze the whole thing but the guy might have been going on two hours of sleep a night because he just had a baby or because he's exactly. commuting right? because he's yeah. you don't know the reason but and it's always part of it so it's for me resilience is already in it but resilience i think from my experience it's just my opinion and my experience it's it's leadership as well mm. it's behavior and leadership behavior it's what we so, so the approach with corporate world is often about how do you, um, yeah, it's all about behavior change yeah. through leadership program. Mm -hmm. And then you address res uh, resilience, which is, as we know, you and I know, it's all about, it's all about health and safety resilience, right? So for me, resilience mm -hmm. is even bigger. It's something higher. Yeah. Health and safety is a part of it. Yeah. Someone yeah. called it health and safety too, is, is that's where resilience sits. I like it. And it's, um, uh, you know, we don't want to be intrusive into people's lives, but it is an interesting question. If I'm boarding an airplane, would I like it if the, if Air New Zealand knew that the pilot got enough sleep last night and was in a positive step frame of mind? I mean, I don't know where this goes, and that's where uh, we should talk about technology a little bit. But <laughs> it, it's it, it is interesting because that is part of your health and safety. We know that people's uh, motor function is impaired if you didn't get enough sleep um uh, so anyway that's a that's a discussion for another day unless you've got any yeah. thoughts on that maybe that's for another day well what i'm yes. interested in is you do have a certificate in consciously digital coaching and yes. i'd love to if you could distill the essence of of what you've learned what are some practical tips for people what should we be doing and and maybe not doing in this already very busy world yeah, and it, I'm actually very proud about this certificate. I completed it this year, so, you know, as, as an adult learner, it's always, you know, <laughs> something. You, we can be proud when we start studying and working at the same time. So, like, technology, as you just said, it's part of our life, it's part of corporate world, it's part of everything, and we know how good and how bad it is. So I just wanted to start with the good, because let's not, you know, been the whole idea everything is brilliant thanks to technology we learn so much we gaining we, we we can make our life much better much easier much faster mm -hmm. but it's all about the problem with this is all about the con it's all in the conscious the conscious word mm -hmm. how conscious are you in how you use your technology and um so for me if i had yeah to give three tips it's more it's more than tips it's way of living i think uh, it's about using your technology for your own purpose, for your own good, for your own needs, as opposed to being used by it. So um, as much as you can, be conscious. I have my phone with me here. When I go online, social media, you know, just checking. I'm just checking for two minutes. And half an hour later, I'm still on it. Did I choose? Did I consciously decide this? 
it's how it is. It's, you know, you know how it works. It's dopamine. I get my reward from it. It's addictive. We are all a bit addict to technology because it's made to, it's made in a way to make us, you know, yeah. addict. The word is a bit strong, but it's what it is when you can't live without it. Did Absolutely. you leave? Have you ever left your house without your phone recently? I had great anxiety when I realized I, when, I, when, I'd re, when I'd left my headphones behind and I was going for a run, I was like, maybe I'll just go home. And that, that's the most ridiculous thing. Just listen to nature. But so the answer is it doesn't happen often. No. And, and you feel it physically, mm. anxiety when mm. you, you know, it. so it's so we all have this and it's okay. It's just what I mean by being more conscious is finding ways to use it for yourself. So the three tips would could be are for me. Why I'm gonna make, I'm gonna share those tips is because they are they really work for me. They might not work for everyone, but um. So the first one is all about your environment. So it's like if your environment is full of technology and you decide that you want to reduce it, it might be hard. It's like having a packet of cigarettes on your desk when you try to stop smoking, mm -hmm. having crisp and biscuits in your cupboard when you want to lose weight. So it's always the same, you know, you're, you're, you don't have the willpower to not check your phone. Our brain is not made such a way. We are going to look at it. Or if we don't, if it, even if it's on silence, I'm sure your phone is on silence now next to you and upside down, you will take part of your brain um, to not look at it. You will take some attention of your brain to say, yes. oh, I'm not going to check it. Yeah. So having it somewhere else, you know, but laptop and everything, or have a, a tech-free zone in your house or in, at work. Yes. Just be conscious that the environment is so inducive or, or not indu conducive, inducive to helping mm. you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like having a chocolate bar on your desk. I, I've never thought of it in that way, but it's like sitting there with a piece it's, of cake. It's exactly that. On your desk. Yeah, and it's there. I, I'm not going to touch it. Well, it's, it's going to be really hard, and it will take a lot of energy for you not to touch it. So that's the first thing. The second one is all about nature. And I mentioned earlier, you know, I love, uh, mm -hmm. I said I love sport, but I love outdoor activities and uh, the power of nature. Nature will help you reconnect with your senses, with yourself, um, with um, well, yeah, mainly the senses. And technology have a habit to reduce your connection with your, with your body and mm -hmm. with your senses often. So when you go into nature, uh, you will reconnect with what really matters to you. It will also help you refocus. Nature has a power uh, to, to, to help you be in the present moment and restore your attention and your focus. I don't know if you heard about the attention restoration therapy. Uh, I have heard the name, but maybe you could tell me a little bit more. Yeah. It's just, it's what it's going into like consciously into nature for it's like a therapy it's not the forest or the you know the, the bathing bathing forest oh, bath yes. in japan or yeah it's it's more realizing that the power of nature wherever you are in nature will help uh, restore your attention and your brain and also we know that nature reduces your cortisol level yes. um just being connected often in the forest but in forest it could be elsewhere and this will help you be more conscious be more focused uh attentive to what you do and connecting to your sense so it could help you reduce your consumption or use it less it could so and nature often you might not have the chance 
to be close to nature, depending on where you live. But even pictures of nature could be good enough. Amazing. Having picture around you could be good enough. So potentially that's a second tip. So the first one is having the environment in helping you. Yes. Nature. And the third one, which we talk a lot about the Resilience Institute, it's all about the monotasking. Um, at the moment, we are talking together. We're both in front of the screen. Uh, we both have our phone next to us. We both have, you know, we hopefully we are not doing something else at the same time we are talking, but often we are, right? We mm -hmm. have 20 tabs open, um, jumping from one tab to the other, answering emails, checking the phone. So many things are happening. It's okay. It's okay. However, we know we can't focus very well when we are multitasking. Our brain doesn't work this way. Uh, and with technology, it's exactly the same. Monotask with your technology, if you want. So one thing at a time. I'm now on one thing, mm -hmm. on email, on social media. It would already help you reduce, or even better is offline, focus on one task. Yeah. And I would force you to go offline. So if you think about monotasking a few times a day, will help you reduce this overconsumption of so many things at the same time. So as you can see, I'm not talking about, you know, screen and blue light and mm. all of that. It's just, it's more way of living, no? environment, nature, yes. and monotasking. Those yeah. are great suggestions. I think monotasking is is so important and, and trying to create the conditions for flow so that you are focusing all of your available energy on something that's hopefully quite meaningful where you've got the skills to match the challenge because I know personally at the moment there's about 30 tabs open on the second screen over there and, it, and, and, and when we think about why people are experiencing all of this pressure and it's that it's those mm -hmm. types of habits that you know and you think I've got a weird connection to each one of them and so I don't want to close it and the problem is exactly. the next moment after this podcast ends I'll return to that screen and it's all open and I might go to bed and there's this underlying anxiety a good practice is just to get rid of that yeah monotask close it all down uh, you know have one browser tab open and I think we're going to have to retrain ourselves because we've become habituated to this busyness and I think it's getting harder and harder to focus on one thing and that's that, that's not good for human well-being the brain is you know the striatum the cortex nothing is made for this and yeah. we think we are learning things but actually when we are doing two things at the same time we uh putting information in the wrong place and we don't know how to retrieve it after. yes and i'm thinking about teenagers who are learning and studying yeah you know screen and they have whatsapp on tv on radio on they don't learn the same way because the brain can't process it the same mm. way so yeah. and if technology is cut off i mean they experience extreme anxiety so i suppose it's yeah. kind of a gradual detox that's required slowly and i wonder if at some point humans will adapt to this environment and they will just be fluidly navigating all of these streams of information without distress maybe but for most of us at our age uh, it's we, we need to actively actively prepare our environment as you said focus yeah. our resources mm. and you mentioned the fear of missing out huh, for the team like they wanting to be mm. on all the time and that's very that's a whole different topic for a different it is <laughs> podcast, but... have you heard of phobo uh no fear of 
being offline. It's a real phenomenon. Ah, yeah. What is this? Well, yeah, that's exactly it, actually. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. Very connected to fear. Yeah. Oh, my God, this is good. Not. Yeah. <laughs> Not, exactly. But I love it. I think nature, time in nature, is also one of those you know, ingredients that can transform your life. Resilient people, resilient planet, get out there, enjoy it, become stewards of nature. Yeah. That's that's where we need to go if we want to just counteract the effects of all of this uh, always on technology. So there's, that's a simple thing. And you can yeah. get paintings, surround yourself with green pictures if you can't. I love that. Who inspires you, Delphine? Uh, <laughs> that famous question. Um, I'm going to answer very, very simply. Brené Brown, you've probably heard about yes, her. I think she's, I've, I've discovered her a few years back. Oh. All her work on vulnerability um, is brilliant. And uh, the, the Dare to Lead. And um, yeah, I think she's, she inspired me at the time. So that's the first, uh, I would say, official or normal answer. And when I, I thought about that question uh, in the last few days, and I, who inspired me as well are people who, struggle like people who had a trauma in their life and just bounced back mm -hmm. and came back stronger and i have quite a few examples around me i'm part of an association working for people who had uh, head trauma and um, brain trauma and um, um yeah and so we are working with them and most some of most of them are, have physical um, uh, difficulties and and also um learning some form of learning difficulties or um Finding difficulty to to remember aphasia, yes. the word in English aphasia. Yeah. It's aphasia in French, aphasia. And uh, so, and I've done a lot of things with them this summer. Um, link with nature and going out, and this is so for me. The way to look at them, they had to relearn learn to speak, to walk, to to everything to relearn, and um, so full of you know, it's so inspiring and when you spend a day like this and then trying to go on a paddleboard when you have only one arm I can hold the paddle and it's just uh, and just going at it and and for me it's extremely inspiring to you know you can come back you can struggle and with with the will um, if you will and want to overcome the, the difficulties it's just mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's helped me as well keep going I love, I love it i love it so much uh my mum had a had a brain aneurysm and ended up you know at the age of 49 and that, that that's you know it's a real challenge but to see her even just you know finding her way back from being completely paralyzed to little by little by little to getting some function back to speaking to it's it's amazing what a journey any favorite book recommendations being uh, an author <laughs> any tips for the audience i know these are standard standard questions but i'm always interested I know. you know what are, what are you reading at the moment and what you what do you enjoy uh, I, I love books obviously and I, yes. you know i love reading and i'm going to i have two at the moment uh, one in english one in french because i'm always in between those two but a, a breath from um, james uh, nestor Yes. Which, uh, you know, breath is I'm just going to read the new the new science of the lost art, how to learn to breathe again. I, I read it uh, over summer. It was recommended to me by one of my girlfriends who is a professional singer, and uh, just totally long, like really old, not overwhelming, but really inspiring. Yes. A lot of different tips on how to breathe better, 
differently. The damage of if you don't breathe well or breathe only through the mouth, not through the nose, how much it will damage you and how much we damage ourselves as humans um, throughout the, the centuries. The way we are eating, what we're eating, how we are chewing, everything is changing our, mm-hmm. our, our skeleton and uh, yeah. skull. And it's actually affecting them negatively on our breath. So that's the first one, highly recommended. And the second one is one from, um, it's called um, Joël de René, La Symphonie du Vivant, which is the symphony of, of life. And it's uh, all about epi- how epigenetic can change your life. Oh, and um, Joël de René was a, yeah, absolutely. And he was a professor at the MIT for what, he's French. He's actually the age of my dad, he's 84 I think, this year. And he's still working. And, uh, Epigenetic is all about, you know, the part of the genes that um, you can influence rapidly. Not You don't need three generations to change the genes. You can, in, in one generation, you can influence it through nutrition, physical activity, I mean, meditation, relaxation, looking after yourself um, has an impact on your genetic. It's fascinating. That is fascinating. So that's my two books. And, and they're so related as well, because if you start breathing properly, yes. you'll probably suppress genes that cause inflammation and express genes that increase longevity. I think those two are great, great books. Is there an English version of the second one? I looked at it. I don't, I didn't find one. Most of his, he's brought 20 books and most of them have been translated in English, okay. Spanish, and I couldn't mm-hmm. find this one. Okay. But, but he's a brilliant the- author anyway. Great. And there are a few books out there for people who are interested in epigenetics. Uh, it's certainly the science of the future. I think that's where we start to um, move from a life by design. No, from a life by default to a life by design. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So this has been a great conversation. I've learned a few things that I'm going to implement. And one of them is uh, preparing the environment, leaving this piece of cake in other rooms so that it's not always here because that's not a good practice uh any final thoughts because i i know we're going to do this again and we're going to go deeper into that one question that we didn't explore (laughs) and maybe a few others but any final thoughts for listeners out there we'll make sure that they've got links to connect with you in the show notes it's yeah it's more about you know look after yourself because no one will do it for you mm-hmm. you know just make sure you look after yourself the caring aspect start with yourself so yeah that's my only thing and if you have any questions about digital technology or well, not technology but consciously digitally reducing your consumption of technology i'm more than happy to answer any questions but it's all about look after you as i said no one else will do it as yes. well as you will so what a beautiful message Delphine it's always a pleasure to catch up with you and learn learn something and it's um yeah just a real privilege to have you on the team you know we've got this amazing team in across the world and we're all passionate and vibrant and yeah it's wonderful having people like you that we can tap into your knowledge and experience so thank you so much for joining thank you for having me Brad and looking forward to the next time excellent Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Resilience Podcast, and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks so much.